Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Ecclesiastes chapter 4 from the World English Bible. Then I returned and saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of those who were oppressed, and they had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors there was power, but they had no comforter. Therefore I praised the dead who have been long dead more than the living who are yet alive. Yes, better than them both is he who has not yet been, who has not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. Then I saw all the labor and achievement that is the envy of a man's neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. The fool folds his hands together and ruins himself. Better is a handful with quietness than two handfuls with labor and chasing after wind. Then I returned and saw vanity under the sun. There is one who is alone, and he has neither son nor brother. There is no end to all of his labor, neither are his eyes satisfied with wealth. For whom then do I labor and deprive my soul of enjoyment? This also is vanity. Yes, it is a miserable business. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, and doesn't have another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have warmth. But how can one keep warm alone? If a man prevails against one who is alone, two shall withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better is a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who doesn't know how to receive admonition anymore. For out of prison he came out to be king, yes, even in his kingdom he was born poor. I saw all the living who walk under the sun, that they were with the youth, the other, who succeeded him. There was no end of all the people, even of all them over whom he was, yet those who come after shall not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and a chasing after wind. That is the end of chapter 4. Whereas on one hand it is obvious that there is much oppression under the sun or on the earth, on the other hand we cannot agree that there is no comforter. We cannot agree that it would be better to be dead, as the preacher terms it, or better to not have been. We who are Christ have the Comforter as a seal of our being in Him, and our view of life should be to live in Christ and to die as gain, as Paul said, but only because we have hope beyond our existence under the sun. We know we can trust His purposes and His timing, especially if we live in faith according to His principles. See verse 17 of chapter 3 of the preacher's own musings on that. 
Also in chapter three, verse 14, it talks about what God does and God has chosen to create us. So it would not be better to not be born if God chooses to create us and give us the opportunity to know him. To have never been born is to miss this spectacular choice to believe on his name and be born again spiritually. See John 3.3 and 1 Peter 1.23. The tone of what the preacher is saying here is similar to Job's friends saying that God punishes sin. Therefore, Job's hardship was due to sin in his life. God corrects them in Job chapter 38 verse 2 and Job 42 verses 7 through 8. And Jesus also corrects this way of saying in John chapter 9, when his disciples asked him why the man was born blind, and he said, no, this is going to show God's glory. This is not because anyone has sinned. So the preacher is half right on many things here, but half right is often in essence wrong, as we see with the example of Satan's temptations of Jesus. Half-right misses the truth and the intent about our existence and knowing God. As the author-narrator, we'll correct and wrap up in the conclusion. Verse 7 has this odd turn of phrase. It says, then I returned. I looked this up in Young's literal translation, and it says, I have turned. So I think it gives a sense of now we're looking at this instance over here. Then in verse 8, it says to be utterly alone is empty or vanity. And I think we can agree with that. But also, we acknowledge that this is only if we are not knowing or living for our Maker. But if we are, if we know God, then all of the preacher's objections are obliterated. In verse 9, the preacher talks about interacting with others in some sort of meaningful ways, but they all kind of have a negative tone still of just barely surviving. In that section, he goes from having only yourself to having one other companion. And then at the end, he talks about the threefold cord. Since um, he has been talking about personal personal relationships, human relationships, and he goes on afterward to just talk about more human relationships, I think there's no hidden meaning here. He's just talking about having more strength when there are three of you. When I looked this idea of the threefold cord up in several other commentaries, they all made a lot of conjecture, which they admitted was just conjecture. Verse 13 gets into this comparison of the poor, wise youth versus the old, foolish king. First of all, the idea of a wise youth is not that common. I know that Solomon got his wisdom from God when he was young, but even when youthful people, myself included, try to do what's right. We still have so much to learn to be wise yet. And we're usually more poor when we're a youth. And so that is likely to change with time, as will the youth. So everything in that comparison is going to change most likely. And so that's an interesting comparison to the old foolish king. It's sort of like saying, If you are a poor, wise youth, don't turn into an old, foolish king. And that it notes that the king is looking at another youth who is going to be coming up into the position of king, and nobody's really going to remember him. This all reminds me, I hear so many people talking about wanting to leave a legacy, not wanting to be forgotten. I've heard this my whole life. And then you can see the same thing when you look at monuments and records of ancients Uh, They show the same concern. It's like an effort to cheat death and to hold on to human pride. 
unless it's a legacy in terms of really humbly pointing others to the God who made us and offers us us salvation. If it's just a person who wants to be remembered for all the great things he's done, unfortunately, you're just one more person clamoring in the masses of humanity who want to be like God, the original lie, to have glory for your own self. And this is vanity. There is nothing in or of ourselves that has lasting meaning without serving and loving the Father God who loved us first. There is no earthly human-centered glory that has eternal meaning. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey.